relationship advice always give up always surrender (laughs) (laughs) if you give up soon enough it might not cause you any problems it's always a g b u always be giving up (laughs) <laughs> Always give being up, AGB. <laughs> no, I said AGU. No, no, I don't think you did. You said AGU. Always give <laughs> being up. Always give being up. Kill yourself. <laughs> Either way, they're both good options. Okay, I'm cutting us back in. Okay. Can you cut me in? Can you count me in? Can you count me in? And we're back. <laughs> I'm supposed to say that right when I was... Oh, you can't keep a good dog down. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) This is Think Outside the Box Set. And I... They call me the white Beyonce. That's right. Nathan... (laughs) I'm back on the show. <laughs> this is a podcast about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, or unrecognized, or dismissed. And I'm Cameron DeWitt. I'm Becca DeWitt. This is the third episode of our 15th season. We are talking about... 15, damn. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we just recorded our 100th episode of... Uh, uh, what's in the box weekly our Patreon show Ooh. forgot to do something special about it or even acknowledge it so I'm <laughs> acknowledging it right now cool. <laughs> yeah but fifth, yeah fifth big big one five uh, we can get our permit we could drive but not alone oh that's yeah uh, if seasons are years so we're we're talking about Taylor Swift we've got Becca DeWitt on because she's Taylor she's Swift's biggest Taylor fan well well, well. And we're back. <laughs> I'm supposed to say that, right? Whenever there's an edit. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, what were we talking about? So oh, we're old enough to drive. We're, we're, talk- we we're talking about it. Taylor Swift because uh, she's... She's getting swifty. She's dismissed. She's yes. definitely not unrecognized. Right. She's mm-hmm. successful. She's very successful. Becca but, might get recognized as Taylor Swift wearing that wig. <laughs> That's all you need is a pink wig, and people think you're Taylor Swift. So, Becca, my understanding is that this is her last gasp of country music. <gasps> yep, it's true. It's like it's not even that country, right? I wouldn't say. Yeah, there's just some grand. moments that feel like pop country. Yeah, and there's definitely some mandolin and banjoing. But honestly, I think this came out in 2010, right? Um, Because it sounds... 2012, uh, I I think. A lot of the stuff sounds like Mumford, more Mumford adjacent than, uh, you know, pop country. Oh, sorry. Um, Some of the melodies and some of the hooks feel like pop country, but... 2010, camera's right. I lose. The album is Speak Now by Taylor Swift. (laughs) We, uh... (laughs) I shouldn't have spoken up. <laughs> so, something I brought up to Becca earlier is that there, there's no pedal steel in this album, and I feel like in the in the first ten years of the 2000s, that was the main kind of coding and like the main sig- aural s- signifier for country music. Like there is someone credited with lap steel on the album. 
I guess maybe it's somewhere. It feels it's like super low buried, in the mix. Yeah. yeah. Usually like that's like the thing that would ground something in a country genre. Yeah. Oh, we're listening to country music now. Other than other like lyrical or pandering aspects or whatever, it would be, yeah, the lap steel and you could have everything else different, but it, or the pedal steel specifically. Right. Um, which I guess is different. It's a vi- var- variation of, I don't know. Do you, do, of- do you know, because I think they sound really different too. I feel like typically a lap steel is like an acoustic guitar. You know, I'm not 100% certain on the terminology, but as far as I understood, no, a lap steel is not always acoustic. There's electric lap steels. A pedal steel is a type of lap steel that involves pedals that can uh, pull the strings up and down like by a half a step or a whole step, I think. Yeah, and uh, there's like often like nine strings right. or something like that. It's more like a really complicated harp that you play with a slide Yeah, and picks. And sometimes there's like multiple necks and different tunings and yeah. like all kinds of crazy shit. But like that, that is all encompassed by the term lap steel. I, I believe also like it's, it is a subset or a subcategory, but you don't put it on your lap. There's a lot of a pedal lap steel. steels you don't put on your lap either. All right. <laughs> One of us has spent a lot more time on eBay trying to like find new instruments to oh, buy. Jesus, and so that was a low blow. <laughs> oh no. So I will take your word for oh, it. Oh no. Ouch. <laughs> hey, okay, well. I'll see you guys later. Um, one thing I noticed, speaking of uh, uh, the credits on this album, musical credits that is rather, um, they didn't really hire anyone to do country instrumentation. It's pretty much all the producer. There's there's like the one yeah. lap steel player credited. I guess there's the fiddler Rob Hajakos or whoever that's pronounced who we've also seen on Garth Brooks albums. But Nathan Chapman, the producer, is credited with banjo. Um, he does he plays the mandolin also. He does it all, folks. Yeah, I mean, but he I mean, in addition to the like the more country instruments, he also does bass guitar, Fender Rhodes, electric twelve string guitar, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, hand clapping. Uh, piano, organs, synthesizer, vocal harmony, kid snaps, <laughs> kitty snacks. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think it's getting less and less uh, country. Yeah, I, I, f- I find it really, um, really unengaging to listen to a a produced album that's sort of all like rock band or rock band adjacent, like with video game. You mean? Uh huh. <laughs> okay fine we're moving on (laughs) you don't get to have my cool thought (laughs) this is really insightful but yeah let's move on i I bet (laughs) i think nathan and i are fighting (laughs) (laughs) i think okay uh let's should we talk about songs well okay so i have a couple a couple things to say first thing is have y'all been paying attention to the secret the secret messages the what? No. Heavy eyebrows Wait, oh, at everyone. Shit. The secret Cameron, messages. Cameron, guys, is Becca becoming a QAnon person? <laughs> <laughs> she about to tell us the new message from Q. The thing is, Donald Trump is just going to save all of us, and there's a secret war against pedophiles. <laughs> there's a secret war. He's the answer. Um, if you don't agree, then you're a pedophile, <laughs> or you support them. 
So it's I, easy as that. I kept seeing these messages, like these references to her secret messages, and I kept just being like, oh, yeah, the secret messages. Wait, in the album? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then finally I was like, oh, man, we're, we've done three of her eight albums. I should probably figure out what this thing is. So I looked it up, and every album in her liner notes, she has like a quote-unquote secret message for every song. So she'll do like a highlighted letter. Is this like a Christmas story, like remember to drink your Ovaltine type thing? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but sure, yeah. The movie A Christmas Story? Yeah. He gets the decoder ring from the Little Orphan Annie fan club. And he like he painstakingly like decodes the well he he sends away for it. It comes in like eight weeks. It takes forever to get to him and he's so excited and he like goes to the radio to hear the broadcast and he like meticulously decodes the message and it says, Remember to drink your old team (laughs) And he's like, A crummy ad Oh (laughs) jeez. But you might have said shucks also. Taylor Swift, if you're listening, suggestion <laughs> yeah. for future secret message. Oh, shit. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> for the listeners, I was not, not I, was, I was talking to the cat named Gordo. <laughs> I wasn't just calling Becca fat. <laughs> because that would be grammatically incorrect anyway, so. Um, yeah, so she has secret messages released in the liner notes. And this album, something that stood out to me from a Taylor Swift, the businesswoman perspective is she's by this point in her career starting to get famous enough that she's like running around with tons and tons of famous people. Mm. And so there's all kinds of famous people that she like dates in conjunction with this album uh, for one this the, album. One of the, one of the, Jonah, <laughs> the Yeah. I mean, technically she broke up with him at the end of fearless, but she t- does have a couple songs about him in here. Um, yeah. So she's, she's getting this whole like, sort of public personal life that people are really interested in and in this album particularly she starts to use those secret messages to really uh give her fans like this exclusive access so So especially number in there (laughs) her address address. yeah it's good um no she puts a lot of hints to like who the songs are about which for this album especially there's tons of really famous people that the album is about um yeah so that's an interesting thing each gandhi (laughs) One of them about J. Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's the wedding one. <laughs> one of them is oddly enough about a David Foster Wallace. I'm just thinking of, just trying to think of famous people that it would be incongruous for her to write a song about. Uh, one of them is about David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> You just you now you just you just flash on a triple name. <laughs> what was about John Wayne Gacy? What was about J.K. Rowling? <laughs> one of them's about Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, yeah. So that's one thing that I think is really interesting about this album is she's kind of like leveraging her her famous uh, her famous life to make it really big. Can I tell you a couple stats on how important this album was? Yes. Do you guys want to know how important it was? So the first week of sales was the fifth biggest ever for a f- female artist and the third wow. biggest ever by a country music album. It spent six non-consecutive weeks at number one on the Billboard charts. It was the top t- in the top ten in several countries, and it was the tenth biggest digital, biggest selling digital album of all time, <laughs> selling over six million total copies in the U.S. Okay. Sorry, the cat is just like, really trying to position his butthole like right on my sweater. <laughs> he likes you. <laughs> Take the cat, leave the sweater. Uh, I don't know if we've acknowledged this, but we we are doing this in person, but we are socially distanced. We don't are outside. judge us. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, right. I don't think we mentioned that. We are yeah. we're looking at each other in person. Yeah. And there's a cat here. He's who's also in person. Who is not back maintaining that thing social up. distance. Um, I have two more th- serious things to say about this album. Then we can listen. So the album was originally called Enchanted until her producer nixed it. It was like, nah, you're a big kid now. Try again. And then she Mommy, said, okay, wow. speak now. <laughs> you're a big kid now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess this would have come out kind of shortly after the movie Enchanted too, wouldn't it have? Oh, I don't know about that, but I think it's because of her song Enchanted. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like that would be a reason like let's not call it this because it's already got uh, LA Enchanted, Enchanted. There's like a bunch of stuff in the culture already that's like named that. So it's less hmm. of an impact maybe. Maybe. If you just have a song. Yeah, I think the what the story I read about it said that he was trying to get her away from like little kid themes. He was uh, like, yeah, I think you're kind of past the like whole princess and floofy dresses situation. That's baby stuff. That's baby stuff. <laughs> Aren't you a big kid? <laughs> he baby shamed Taylor Swift. <laughs> now we have speak now. That's why she had to speak up for herself. That's how she learned. Uh, and she released an enchanted fragrance with Elizabeth Arden to promote the album. What, what, did, what did it do? Like, did it have what a spell my- or something? <laughs> Was it like a love potion? Made people really hard. Made it hard for people to forget me. Okay, well, what you want from her? Way to take the subtext of what I was saying and make it super tense. <laughs> I guess that's uh, that's one way of looking at a love potion. <laughs> <laughs> So I remember earlier how you were saying you didn't feel like you had a harder time talking these days? I do okay. remember saying Although, to be fair, I'm not sure this is actually uh, harder for me than it was before. I see. This is just normal. This is just a baseline. This is baseline. Just don't usually record it. I'm all with that bass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else? That's it. I'm done. Okay, quit. I'm leaving. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> So this first song is uh, based on a story about a West Virginia mine collapse, I believe. It's called Mine. I think it was a, I think it was a mine in Chile, actually. Yeah, yeah. Chilean miners. <laughs> yeah. I can see it now. I heard just a tiny bit of lap steel in there. Just a yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going like and like soaring. Uh, it's not making cat noises. <laughs> it's not trying to talk to whales. <laughs> um, I think you were listening to the song back then, Becca, because you were talk about how you liked the the lyric you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter i was gonna I applaud her for putting a tongue twister in the chorus of her song <laughs> yeah we were watching the, the music video and she said that i was like what <laughs> what on. did you say <laughs> what did you call me <laughs> yeah it's a lot it is yeah no i do i think her lyrics in general on this album are stronger this is the first album of hers that i really that i like listened to a lot and every song on this album was on the billboard 100 at some point so the whole album was like pretty mm. popular and i believe she's the only writing credit on all of these she is which is i think that's right worth yeah. noting 
there was that some is right. Story that <laughs> some story that Genius said about it, where she said one thing at one point and then something else later on. Like the fir- at first she said like, "Oh yeah, I had no writing partners to help me," because I was like in Arkansas at three in the morning. And then later on she said, "Yeah, I just felt like doing it all on my own, <laughs> just to like prove it to myself." So she nailed it. She did good. I mean, I would say there's a more consistent voice. I feel like there's sometimes where it feels slightly unedited but it feels more consistent as an album. So this song is rumored to be about Corey Monteith, who was uh, a lead singer of Glee. Who's Monteith. Who's Mon- Monteith. 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 French is funny. The actor's dead. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, Corey Monteith died at like 31 of oh, no. an overdose, I, I believe. Don't remember. I don't feel as good about making really silly... Well, That's why I wanted to butt in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently it's kind of a toxic place to work. Or that's what I've heard. Where, what was? Glee. Oh, Glee. Oh, he was on Glee. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, it kind of goes throughout a relationship... Is this before um, he was a famo? Because she says, you were in college working part-time waiting tables, left a small town and never looked back. So mostly a fictitious song, uh, but that like first scene of like sitting there by the water, you put your arm around me for the first time, that whole uh, like kind of falling in love in an instant thing is rumored to be about him. They never like- highly specific uh, yeah. scene uh-huh. that is like just- so grounded in one specific incident. <laughs> yeah, that really distinctive thing that happened is exactly. supposed to be about him. Yep. Never happened to anyone else at any other time. Nope. Looks like I wrote a note here that says guitars are vaguely country. Oh. Not in general, but for this. Oh, wait. I don't think a it's a sound sample, I'm just saying. Because uh, we were listening to the yeah. that general sample and uh I feel like this chorus is more pop country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than most of the rest of them. The I don't know what it is about a melody that sounds pop country, but it does. Uh, yeah, it's it's like very um, busy, I guess. There's a lot of she like fits a lot of words in there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds kind of pop country to me. There's a there's a music video. There's a lot of music videos on this album, and she she has a baby in the music video. Yeah, she falls in love with this very like graphic. very Scandinavian <laughs> looking man who does not look like Corey Monteith. No, and his name's to- Toby. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, he's an actor who she she spotted in The Covenant, the movie The Covenant, and he was wearing a t-shirt with the number 13 on it, which is her favorite number. And so she was like, I, him, that one. I have to, I simply must have him. I remember I was sitting there watching Covenant. <laughs> uh, they make, yeah, some very toe-headed babies. And... Uh, and then, and then it kind of goes back to when she... I was just imagining, like, babies that were so deformed <laughs> that their heads were like toes. Like it is an upsetting saying. It's very upsetting. Yeah, and then it, she's used this device before because she's, like, in the restaurant and he's waiting her table. That's the beginning. And then they, like, live a whole life together, make she's, a bunch of babies. She's always hitting on waiters. And then at the end of the music video, they're back there in the restaurant. It's like, did you just imagine all of this? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of the She needs to listen suggestion. to Bim Bam and, and realize that this isn't a, a, a boy zoo. <laughs> this isn't 
This isn't just like some captive place where you can hit on all the service people, you know? <laughs> there's a there's sorry, there's a, Yeah, fill me in. It sounds like a good joke. I wanna know about the boys. There's, there's a there's this whole bit where fairly early on in the Bim Bam where they go they just go off on someone who asks advice about how to ask out like a barista or something. And uh, they're like, Listen, dude, this is not a lady zoo. You don't just like like she's acting nice to you because she has to. It's her job yeah. and that's how she gets tips. This is not like you don't get to just like corner her and ask her out. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only good like pieces of advice they gave early on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit. A lot of shitting on furries. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else to say about this song? Should we move on? Um, I like the scene, the like bridge. I remember that fight at 2.30 a.m. Uh, sorry, I don't have a lyrics. Wait, the uh, you could, I got, I'll pull it up. The way pull she, that, she runs out me. from the flight onto the street. What? <laughs> She says, I remember that flight 2.30 a.m. as everything was slipping right out of our hands. Oh, (laughs) I thought it was flight. And I was like, you know, those flights that you run out onto the street from. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, (laughs) Now who's the joke? You're the joke. Not the joke. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the joke now. Uh, I like the line, brace myself for the goodbye, because that's all I've ever known. Then you took me by surprise. You said, I'll never leave you alone. Threatening. I think that's a good... (laughs) That's a good threat. What a nice threat. Uh, That's why she had to jump out of the plane. Yeah. I'll never leave you alone. There's a line in Paranorman where, like, this, like, Paranorman's new friend... Norman's new friend is like following him home and Norman's just like you know I kind of prefer to to be alone and his friend and new friend is like yeah me too let's do it together (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of sweet song number two sparks fly That also sound, kind of sounds like a pop country totally. chorus. It's it's partially like the way she's singing, but it's also like the melody seems kind of pop country to me. Apparently, she wrote this when she was 16 after playing with her crush Jake Owen in a bar in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. What? I've heard of that place. That's where we are. <laughs> We're in that bar the right now. The anarchist jurisdiction mm. where this song was mm. written. Mm-hmm. Is Jake Owen a famo? Is he someone that I was? He's an American singer songwriter. Oh, he's a, it's a he's available on Spotify and <laughs> Pandora. Pandora. That's good to know. People also ask: Is Jake Owen still married? The couple divorced after three years well, of marriage. Let's learn some more about Jake Owen. Yeah, <laughs> all right, I'm bored. <laughs> on the other hand, you were saying, Cameron, that you feel like this album is like lyrically a little more consistent, and I feel like that's true. Um, stylistically a little bit too like every song is a little bit country in her lyrics like she sings them all a little bit country wait do you mean the delivery or the content of the words the delivery of the delivery like her vocal affectation is like slightly country but she doesn't have her last two albums she's had like some songs where she's you know doing weird like daddy situations (laughs) daddy situations (laughs) she's had some daddy situations uh as well as some like totally non-affected singing and this album, I feel like she's a lot more consistent. Uh, there is a music video for this one, too. 
and she it's like a compilation of a bunch of different performances i believe that was this one yeah uh and in some of the scenes she's she's holding a, a guitar banjo like a six string oh, banjo yeah. and she's she's playing it so low like the strap is so long mm-hmm. that she looks like uh she's in a new metal band or something it like in corn <laughs> <laughs> I mean, banjo. would you even know if she was like wearing one of those masks? <laughs> Corn had masks, right? I think so. Probably they probably copied Slipknot at one point. Maybe she was it. Maybe she was Fieldy this whole time. I think Slipknot was who I was thinking of. Oh yeah. Well, Becca, do you have any you thoughts on Corn versus Slipknot? Yeah, which one do you <laughs> prefer? Is oh, that one of them? That's, that's disturbed. disturbed. That's a great oh, guess, though. Come on, Becca. Get sorry. it right. My brother and I used to play this game when we were driving to school where I would be like, he would play a heavy metal band and then I would try to guess who it was. And I was consistently wrong, except for... Um, oh, I can't even remember the name of the, the one band that I used to know all those years ago. Alkaline Trio. Trio. Alkaline Trio, that's the one. Do you know that band? They have some pretty disturbing songs. I know Alkaline Batteries. Is that Yeah, it's the same thing. They get their name from the Alkaline Trio. (laughs) They just use three batteries. It's batteries, plugins, and (laughs) (laughs) nuclear power. I don't know. (laughs) I think that band's kind of basic. (laughs) Oh my god, you fucking nerd. Look at me. I took a chemistry class. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> That's the kind of joke you can only make talking about things from 15 years ago <laughs> with modern language. Yeah. Uh, it's not even modern anymore. No. Um, it's years old. Yeah, what I was talking about, like, a little bit of lyrical messiness, like, there's this line, close enough to hope you couldn't see what I was thinking of. You're, you're saying that because it's technically incorrect to end a sentence with a preposition? I, Grammar Nazi? I think in this case, I don't I don't particularly like it. Mm. I, feel, I feel like it is it feels weak. The song did really well. It like won a lot of awards. It was high on the billboards for a really long time. And I feel sort of mystified by it because I, I couldn't even like, I would be pretty hard pressed to say what the song is about. It's about rain and <laughs> dancing in the rain. Sparks. And getting rain on. Sparks. And Sparks. rainstorms. Maybe it's about batteries. <laughs> in the rain. It's probably about batteries. That's why it's so popular. She People gets love re- batteries. She gets real wet in the music video because <laughs> there's like a bunch of uh, stage rain uh-huh. effects. He gets a real soggy banjo. <laughs> Get Joe. Should we talk so about you a soggy banjo? Should we talk about back to December? That's my least favorite sexual position. <laughs> the soggy banjo. Because <laughs> I care about banjos so much. This one's about Taylor Lautner. Tay 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 Tay
<laughs> Any more? Uh, <laughs> Anything else? Wadding. <laughs> uh, they met in the excellent, excellent feature film, Valentine's Day, which I'm happy to report I have not seen. However... <laughs> we watched the acting reel. We watched just, yeah, the TNT scenes, and it was very bad. You don't say. It was really bad. Unexpectedly. Uh, oh. She's... <laughs> she's her first feature film? Yes, I believe so. She's trying really hard, and she's hamming it up a lot, and it's pretty cringy. Trying to think. win the Academy Award for most acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the award for most acting goes to <laughs> Taylor and Taylor. And the, the camera, like you know, like zooms in on like the nominees, and they're all just sort of trying to avoid <laughs> contact, eye contact with the camera. <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> Wasn't me. Uh, Forrest Whitaker again, every time. <laughs> Taylor Swift dated a lot of people. Nope. What? Wrong. That's not true. <laughs> also, she, you're you're the first one to say with so. The same name as her. I mean, this is her third album, and, and the previous song was about a different person she was dating. The next song is about yet another person. The previous song was actually arguably well. The first song was arguably about two people. So, oh, are you saying Toby when it, are you? Like, are you? Do you want her to settle down, or what's going on? <laughs> I just want her. I just want her to settle down with a nice boy. Uh, no, I was just. It just. It strikes me that a lot of these songs, like, it feels like each song is about a, a new person, and then in the next song preview, spoiler alert, she like slut shames a uh, girl for taking her man. Uh. Well, let's talk about this song first because I'm excited to talk about that song. Are you excited to talk about this song? Because I don't know if I am. Uh, Is there much going on here? Not especially. Um, it's got like a month in I it. think the lyric, it turns out freedom ain't nothing but missing you. Huh. I think that's an interesting lyric. Because she, I mean, this song is about like, hey, I'm sorry for not being emotionally available or not being committal. Um, which I also feel like, I don't know. When I hear it, I'm just like, well, you got to... You got you got a career. It's fine. <laughs> You're yeah. cool. Isn't like, she also like still super super young? Probably. She's twenty one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Taylor Lautner's got stuff going on. He's probably fine. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Is it that big of a deal? Maybe this. I don't know. Maybe she was just like maybe she overpromised mm-hmm. how much hang time she could have. Yeah. But I don't I have know. No idea who Taylor Lautner is. He's he's the werewolf, werewolf. in New Moon, Twilight oh, New ooh. Moon. Awuga. <laughs> oh, uh, the okay, the one who doesn't wear a shirt. Yep, the that, werewolf who's allergic to shirts. Yep, correct. <laughs> Which is actually funny because there's a scene in Valentine's Day where he's like, "I just feel really uncomfortable taking my shirt off," <laughs> which might be a reference to Twilight. I don't know if that's winky at the camera. Yeah, I don't know which one came out first. I don't know. Isn't Twilight the one where like the creators of it just like openly hated the source material and like? essentially made a parody of it oh wow at least for know. a couple of the movies right isn't that i don't true? know about this oh. makes me more interested in seeing like robert pattinson hates twilight <laughs> i've seen some of those interviews where he talks about how bad it is yeah uh there's a there's a minor three chord in the chorus it's uh grow there, up. there's a there's a couple moments in this album where i feel like the the chord progressions or instrumentation or vibes are like uh, low-key evanescence-esque 
and I feel like this is one of those moments. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. There was there. There's a lot of this album where I was like, this reminds me of something very specific, but I can't quite place it. It's like one of those quasi sort of Christian adjacent kind of things. Yeah, which Evanescence totally was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a listen. Wake me up, Jesus. Hear that guitar effect? Wow. I guess I didn't point out the chord. Do yeah. it one more time. I'll do it. Okay. This is the one chord. Minor three chord. Goes up to the fourth. Uh, it's just a very melancholy chord. Uh, you can hear it in that one part in the Edward Scissorhands theme that goes. Ooh. Um, it's just, it sort of sounds like Sad Christmas. Uh, so I thought that was notable. I don't especially like that in the, like in that song, in this mm-hmm. song, but, uh, I thought it was notable cause it seems like some different writing choices and arranging mm-hmm. choices, mm-hmm. uh, because it could just be the five chord cause the three and the fi- the minor three and the major five are only one note different. Oh, um, but they have a very different impact. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Can I have that sock by your left foot? Let's talk about Speak Now. Speak Now. I lose myself in a daydream Where I stand and say Don't say yes, run away now I'll meet you when you're out of the church I think she just watched The Graduate. <laughs> That's such a good movie. Especially <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I wish she had watched that movie to the end before writing this song. <laughs> yeah, good point. She, 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 she saw them run out of the chapel. And she's like, well, that's And then the she end. pauses it. I was like, all right. Good movie. <laughs> Done. I'm going to go write a song. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, uh, this is one of those situations that happened in every wedding. Uh, speaking as, <laughs> as uh, three people who have gone through weddings ourselves. There's always that moment right at the end where the preacher looks into the deeply into the eyes of the audience and says, if anyone thinks that there's, there's any reason why these two shouldn't be married, speak now or forever hold your pee-pee. <laughs> I mean, peace. <laughs> and that, de- that definitely happens in every wedding, and it's not something that we've left in the dustbin of history. And uh, it's definitely designed for ex-girlfriends to show up and try to crash the wedding. <laughs> it's definitely not dating from the Middle Ages uh, as a way to um, for people to say that the dude was already married or something or that the the people in the wedding are related to each other or something that's the that's the original um that's why people would have that like that uh that interruption in the ceremony where someone could like Their from sisters. a neighboring town could have <laughs> yeah, yeah hold someone on. from a neighboring <laughs> town could <laughs> also they're both women and we don't like that yet <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so it would, like uh, someone from a neighboring town could show up and be like, "Hey, by the way, uh, this dude's already married in this neighboring town, so don't let him get married second time." Um, yeah, so it was like specifically looking out for the people involved. Yeah. That makes well, sense. is there any possibility that also part of that was to be like, "This person's already had sex." They're yeah, this worth, woman is this unclean. Because that's what I assumed when I was thinking about this song. It's like, oh, it's probably another way to oh. 
I'm not sure. Publicly shame women's sexuality and make sure their possessions. I'm sure that was used that way at least. If it, yeah. But My, I like that. I like that the men can be assholes too. That's good. <laughs> Helpful equalizing. There's good assholes on both sides. <laughs> and traditionally, you had to show up uh, in your boots, drunk. Uh huh. And it, it had and to be a you, black tie affair. And you had to, you had to have everyone blame it on your roots. Yes. Um, and you had to uh, insult someone for being in an ivory tower or something. Yeah. This, that song's better than this song. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's the same song, but it's way better. Yeah. My the- favorite, uh, my favorite like transmogrification of this, like speak now thing comes in um, the Netflix sketch show, middle ditch and Schwartz. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. It's pretty good. It's, it's only three episodes long. It's just three little like uh, improv scenes shows that middle that thomas middleditch and benny schwa ben shorts do um and benny schwa is like trying to remember they're trying to do like a wedding scene and ben shorts is like trying to come up with the stock phrase of like speak now or forever hold your forever hold your peace uh or rather he's trying to come up with the part where it's like if anyone knows why these two should not be joined in holy matrimony but he can't remember (laughs) what it's what it's supposed to be and so he ends up like garbling it to the extent that it comes out as does anyone have anything mean to say (laughs) 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 which i feel is much more true to how it gets portrayed in like romantic comedies and movies and in this song (laughs) does Does taylor swift have anything mean to say to the bride (laughs) Talk about how much she's a bitch and she hates her. <laughs> oh yeah, she she totally hates this lady. She hates her so much. Uh, and her snotty little family, all dressed in pastel. At least she doesn't talk about how she doesn't slut shame this girl. I don't think that's true. That comes in a different song. It's actually. definitely super catty though. Well, yeah. <coughs> wearing a gown shaped like a pastry, please. <laughs> Yeah, what do you, uh, uh, Becca? What do you, what do you make of this <laughs> album and the um, sort of the extent to which Taylor is engaging in uh, female competition? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I understand what you're saying at face value, but do you are you asking me how I feel about it, or are you asking me? Uh, how much she's actually doing this versus posturing. I th- I guess I'm asking both. Like when you see something like this in the culture, is your perception of it like, oh, this is like actually really relatable and helpful or, or are you like, this is toxic? Um, yeah, I feel like it's pretty toxic. It sucks to listen to. I mean, this, this no, song, not quite Spears. as much as the... I mean, this song, not as much as the next one. This one, this song, she feels pretty petty to me. I mean, she's super petty in the next one, too. But this one, it, it doesn't feel as toxic. It more just feels like pretty immature. Like she's being really immature. Yeah, the pre-chorus, I think, is really cr- cringy. She floats down the aisle like a pageant queen. But I know you wish it was me. You wish it was yeah. me, don't you? I'm like, ah, this is like... It's one of those things where sometimes if you're if you're mean enough it's vulnerable because it reflects so poorly on you. Yes. (laughs) You know, and that's how I feel about it. Well, it's interesting. It's uh, interesting too, because this song isn't about her. It's like ostensibly about a friend of hers. Right. Um, And so that's, that's also interesting because often when she's mean, she's mean 
like the uh, the next the next one that we're, we keep talking about, she's it's very personal. She's speaking out of like personal ire. But this is one of the songs where she's just sort of she's sort of just imagining a scenario and like getting yeah. glee out of like imagining a scenario. And I think that's interesting. There's someone on the the genius who says this song is rumored to be inspired by Haley Williams of Paramore, who had to attend the wedding of ex boyfriend and ex bandmate Josh Farrow in April 2010. Yeah. So she's like Taylor Swift is trying to put herself in this other woman's shoes showing up at the black tie affair. Which is Sorry, interesting. In the, <laughs> this other woman's boots is what I should have said. <laughs> it's it's a different like it's it's one thing to actually be feeling bitter and be putting that out there. It's equally cringy, but it's it's one thing. But yeah. it's another thing to be like she has this whole a whole bunch of songs that she does where she's just sort of enjoying imagining a scenario. Like she's just fantasizing about a situation. That's why I asked. It's totally you know. removed from reality. And I think it's, yeah, that's interesting is like, I don't know if she's just feeling, yeah, like protective of her friend or, I mean, to some extent, I think Taylor's also, she's got a chip on her shoulder about not fitting in, yeah. feeling like mm. she doesn't belong. And like that, I feel like that comes through a little bit in this song. I had a friend who like kind of did this once. Showed up at a, their ex's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. The confrontation was private, but that's it was like. Better, I guess. Yeah, but it was still just like, oh man, this is like a really intense decision. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if they still f- how they feel about it now, looking back. Yeah, it's also like uh, wedding. A wedding is like already kind of a stressful and busy and uh, overwhelming day to have to like deal with like your ex barging in and being like, no, I should be with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely drunk out of their mind. <laughs> <laughs> me I bet you wish she was me right <laughs> you could be having this right now <laughs> that's how she said I went yeah yeah <laughs> this is like a pastry <laughs> y'all look like a bunch of paints <laughs> oh, a bunch of pastels <laughs> Uh, hey, we keep saying the next again. song is is like well, the big Taylor. I just mean the next the next grumpy song. Yeah. Okay, uh, we we keep yeah we keep saying the next song is like the Taylor Cuck song, but like it's not actually for. A couple oh more. right, yeah. There's like several more. Shit. Oops. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to do this for very much longer. Do you want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, do you want to skip Dear John and maybe talk about Mean? Let's I just... want to talk about Dear John. Oh, yeah? Well, do we have to like listen to the song or should we just like, do you want to talk about the song or just the background? Um, I think we should talk about the song because I actually really, I like the lyrics of the song a lot. I think it's pretty effective and especially right. as like revenge breakup songs, I think it's her most effective one. Ooh, Great. It's about John Mayer. Mm. I stopped picking up and this song is... Yeah, so she she dated John Mayer for like uh, the slightly the better part of a year, like seven months, and he's that's a, that's a twelve years older than her. She was nineteen when they dated. Oof, what and, a creep. Yeah, not great. <laughs> and this song, I think this song is like pretty effective at articulating her own, like watching herself be really unhealthy in response to a breakup. Um, he was also way more famous than her at that time, right? Because he had had a pretty huge album in like 2008, 2007? I don't know. I think you can argue by this point they're equally famous. I mean, he'd had a really big album, but she's like 
won every she's won several Grammys at this point. She's doing major world tours. She's like oh, that's right. she's in movies now. I did she's remember like hearing about that on a podcast. How she won a, a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of, sorry, this is really dumb, but there's been like a bunch of points where I'm like, oh yeah, I heard about this story on this podcast recently that I should tell you guys, and it involved Taylor Swift. And then I was like, oh wait, that was. <laughs> Becca telling that story on, on last week's episode. Can you mansplain my own stories to yeah, me, please, Nathan? I would, I would really appreciate that. There's nothing I love more than mansplaining. It's really the biggest compliment, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, but some of the lines in here, like, my mother accused me of losing my mind, but I swore I was fine. Like, that feeling of being... She describes this, like, pretty deep melancholy in the song and this feeling of just being really, like, just super lost and disoriented in this way that I think is... I think she does a good job of describing that feeling. Mm-hmm. That even in, like, not dating someone for very long, sometimes you can invest enough hope in them or enough of yourself in them that you get, like really really disoriented when they're not in your life anymore um it's also interesting she has this line in here you'll add my name to your long list of traitors who don't understand and i think cameron i think you like screenshotted this quote too but uh rolling stones talks about at the time of the song's release mayor had just gone on a hiatus following <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Bored. At the time of the song's release, Mayer had just gone on a hiatus following controversial, sexually explicit, and semi-racist interviews. Is that the one where he dropped the n-word? Semi. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not all the way right. Let's semi-racist. Not, let's, let's not be crazy not here. Right to the we can't. R-word. Who are we to say all <laughs> the just way said racist? The <laughs> <laughs> no need um, to be throwing the r-word around. <laughs> And he says, I never got an email. I never got a call. I was really off guard and it really humiliated me at a time when I'd already been dressed down. I mean, how would you feel if at the lowest you've ever been, someone kicked you even lower? Um, he apparently was, I've heard that he was very much on drugs at that point and like pretty erratic. And that's, I think that's true. I think that's like part of why his interview is so bananas. Is like yeah. he was going through some like real addiction stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had shit going on, but it's just weird. Like, I think she kind of pegged him correctly when she's ultimately she's writing a, yeah. a song about her own experience of a breakup as like a 19 year old kid. Right. And he's like in his third. Like he he should be more stable enough to be like, yeah, I broke up with someone and they wrote a revenge song about me. Taylor also in the liner notes opening up this album. She has a quote. uh she ends the opening she okay so she says about the album these songs are open letters each is written with a specific person in mind telling them what i meant to them in person and then she ends it by saying p.s to all the boys who inspired this album you should have known <laughs> which i think is pretty i like i like giggled to myself i think that's oh, pretty delightful there's so like, many she's ways like, to read that <laughs> yeah but it's like in this you know it's a quote from the song obviously um and but also like i think that's a really fair point is like taylor has not made a She's been very clear about the fact that she mostly writes extremely personal songs about her own love life. So, yeah, you should have known. I also think Dear John is a pretty clever, I think that's a really clever, like, um, device for the song. Yeah, the the device of the Dear John letter. Yeah. That was one of those things that I learned about from Farside making a joke about it. There's, there's like, this whole category of things that I 
like came to through um, far side making jokes about it and so i only understood it like in retrospect as like a second level thing there's like something a lot about, of simpsons pop culture references yes. that i got the same way yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> So there's, it's all about like writing to a deer named John. <laughs> oh dear! Just like the lowest hanging fruit oh of the dumbest pun. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, I have a quick update. This is a absolute. It's not even a tangent. It's just uh, do more to set it a up. Derail. Like, is- <laughs> so a while back, I made an official think outside the box set genius lyrics annotation, and I just got a notification. Uh oh. That. Uh, for the Billy Joel song, The Mexican Connection, I wrote an annotation <laughs> that said, a profoundly Mexican song. <laughs> and this motherfucker, Jay Evans, Uh-oh. username Jay Evans, Fucking hate that guy. Marked, marked this as a stretch. <laughs> so this is a call to all the thinkers out there. <laughs> I need you right to now. make go make accounts to Genius Lyrics. Go to The Mexican Connection lyric page and go upvote uh my my annotation there please i'm doing it right now yeah thank you slate your fan this is proof proof that crowdsourcing works for accurate information you know democracy is always good (laughs) yep uh i have one more note about the song okay. okay two more actually i lied this is the fifth song of the album, which we've been talking about. Always is always like an emotional, revealing song. So far, that's that's held true for the first three albums. Also, she has some great core line lyrics at the end, which is "All the girls that you've run dry have tired, lifeless eyes because you burned them out." <laughs> They're made out of buttons. <laughs> oh my god! Button eyes. Button eyes. Uh, yeah, that's like a that's really dark. Yeah. <laughs> super dark, super intense. Well, uh, you want to talk about? We should talk about mean. Yeah. We got to. We got to talk about to. mean. That's the Mumford, the Mumford core. Mumford, yeah, it's extremely Mumfordy. But you don't know what you don't know. Someday I'll be living in a big old city, and all you're ever gonna be is mean. This is the way, Mando. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, this, like the, 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 uh, apparently she wrote it about a music critic who gave her a, the genius has a cruel review after a performance with Stevie Nicks. Uh, apparently he said that Swift can't sing and that I, the performance shortened her career. I actually have a sound sample of that performance oh. because I wanted to go see to what extent that was true. And oh. I have a clipping of the review because I wanted to see t- to what extent the review was mean. Ah. Here we go. Let's listen to the really pitchy. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why that can happen. A lot of them can be like monitor issues. It's really hard to perform in a rock band. I was going to say like it's she's performing like in a huge venue. She's probably like pretty far separated from all the other musicians. She's probably like the only one on stage. Uh no, the, she's like surrounded by them. Oh really? Um still pretty hard to hear them though. Maybe. I mean also she has every 
piece of equipment at her disposal. They probably had like a five hour sound check and mm. maybe nothing went wrong. Maybe she just sang bad. It's pretty bad though. It's not good. Yeah. So he, I think that's worth considering when we're about to hear it, <laughs> this review. He said the last half of his review about the show was about her, but I thought the most scathing comment was Taylor's too young and dumb to understand the mistake she made. Oh my and God. And those surrounding her are addicted to cash and are afraid to tell her no. But last night, Taylor Swift should have auto-tuned to save her career. What so, is it with fucking dudes like constructing <laughs> these weird, like elaborate, like uh, uh, narratives of like of interpersonal like um, interactions? Like that's that's what she was talking about, with John Mayer, and how he was going to frame it as she was just another like of the traitors that betrayed yep. him in his relationship. And it's she like, called what, it. What is it with dudes that like doing that kind of shit where yeah. they, they like cast themselves yeah. in, this, in this narrative where everyone's against them, and this guy's doing. Well, a similar thing where he's like yeah there's this whole dynamic of like people just are afraid to tell her no because they want that cash cow and it's like what world are you living in dude sorry that was a big tangent no i think you're totally i mean it, it feels super like sexist to me i mean calling her too young and dumb to understand the mistake That's she made an awful thing to say it's yeah. an awful thing to say at this point she's broken like she shattered all kinds of records for all kinds of reasons and many and all of them kinds of records well, two kinds of records. <laughs> Many of them have nothing to do with her voice. Like some of them do, but there's also this other point. You know, he's saying like those around her are too addicted to cash and are afraid to tell her no. But she like single handedly. I was going back and reviewing um, some of the information about the start of her career in Big Machine Records, who she released these first three albums with. When she signed with them, it was before they had formed. The guy who formed Big Machine Records oh. was splitting off, oh, yeah. so she like. She was one of their first signups. She like single-handedly basically carried this label up. She carried Nathan Chapman up with her. Like mm-hmm. she's super successful for a shit ton of reasons. Right. She makes tons of money and yeah, and her, and her voice is is only a part of that. And so calling her like too young and dumb to understand yeah. the mistake she made is like like cut erasing a, a huge amount of the work that she does. She produced this album again like right. Yeah. You and know I would call that that comment I would call that mean. And I don't think that that's going too far to call it that. Is it too much? But... Um, I the M word. Yes, that's right. Of all of the revenge songs that Taylor Swift <laughs> writes to mean people, uh, this won two Grammys for Best Country Song and Best Country Solo Performance. So the album In was nominated for face. three, but she won two for this. In I think that's pretty delicious. Yep. Oh, jeez. Yes. That's good. Delicious. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of backstory. When I first listened to the song, I was... I kind of it made me it made me think of like sort of Christian music and how some of the mindsets in Christian music can be a little bit like self righteous. Yeah. Sometimes where it's like <laughs> You say hesitantly. Well <laughs> No way no way, Nathan. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no, Christian self righteous? Nah, couldn't be. No. Speaking of personal like, experience. I feel like there was a, a bunch of like spate of particularly from female artists about how like uh there was a lot of songs around this time period of like, you know, you'll never understand. I don't want to be in the world. And they look at me and they think I'm a prude, but they just don't understand because they're going to be running out being sluts or whatever. And I'm going to have this holy God love or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Does it make any sense? I can't think of any songs that specifically say that. But it, it's kind of that mindset of like, I guess, self-righteousness of just being like, yeah, yeah. this is a self-righteous song. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense with that backstory. Yes, but at first glance, maybe because I've heard 
so many of those like Christian music songs from a very self-righteous place. I was like, oh, this is kind of uh, a similar like self-righteous response to a bully. Yeah. I thought it was about a girl being a bully, actually, just like on first listen. She sort of writes it like that because she says someday I'll be living in a big old city. And at this yeah. point, she's doing like world tours and she's, yeah. she does. Yeah. Pretty sure she does live in a big old, big old city. I mean, she lives in Nashville, right? Which, I mean, I mean, she owns like an island in Hawaii and she. But that's not a big city. Maybe she's trying to build a big city there. <laughs> we built this city. Um, <laughs> on, on vaguely country flavored rock pop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> should we choose which of the rest of the songs we're going to talk about nope we which, should just let it happen to us <laughs> uh, which one is the one that's uh, all slut shaming that one's better, better than, than revenge. revenge yeah we definitely need to talk about that one uh, I think maybe the story of us we could talk about um, I'm not super interested in talking about any of the rest of them I kind of think we should talk about Innocent Attach or at least do a re- like I, I could do summaries of a couple of these. Okay, great. All right. You want to just go to uh, The Story of Us is the next track seven. So many walls up I can't break through. Now I'm standing Beats, guys, beats. <laughs> beats. <coughs> Bears beats. Like Borsh? Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Man, were you guys around that one time I made like totally vegan borscht out of uh, tempeh? Oh, yeah, I think so. so. Oh, I should do that again. Sounds great. Yeah. Let's do it right now. Forget this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck this recording. Let's go make borscht. <laughs> Think outside the borscht. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> Gina says, "Oh, poor baby." It's my job to fix the baby. Come here, baby. He's the baby repair person. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite jokes from Thirty Rock uh, comes when uh, Dr. Leo Spichemin, who is a doctor. <laughs> Uh, is trying to, to deal with a patient who has diabetes and he's like completely confounded he has no idea what to do so he like calls up the operator and he's like uh diabetes repair I guess <laughs> it's so dumb but <laughs> it's so funny uh. that show had some good jokes like um their takeoff on uh on Tracy Morgan's, uh, sorry, Tracy Jordan's version of essentially Thriller. It's called uh, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. <laughs> oh, that show had some good moments. Okay. The story of us. There's a music video for this. Did you play the sound sample yet? Yeah, you, you yes, just did. did. Yeah. Um, they're all in a they're in a library, and I guess the song would have us believe that the first and second person uh, people, the first and second people, the I and the U, the I and the U, they they've had some sort of romantic connection, but now they're just sort of like playing coy uh, or pretending like it didn't happen, and they're like, "What's going on? Was it just a misunderstanding?" They're like. 
kind of accidentally gaslighting each other mm. or Gordo. waiting for the other person to make the first move. Uh, our cat has jumped on the laptop. Gordo off the pod- Who invited Gordo onto the podcast <laughs> as a guest? Got three pe- four people on it. We have too many people. <laughs> Little baby cat. Yeah. It's very upsetting. Um... <laughs> Comedy rule of twos, (laughs) and we're done. (laughs) Uh, So basically, what happens? uh, What a mess this is! Um, I can't wait to see how you edit this. I'm not. I'm. I'm barely going to make any cuts. Um, And then uh, they. They finally approach each other in the library, and then everyone in the library throws their papers in the air because they're sort of all acknowledging the really intense sexual tension between them. And this is a library paper orgy? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then they all party. And that's the that's the music video, as I remember it. Yep. Sums it up. Uh, it's actually pretty cute. There's a lot of her just sort of like awkwardly writhing in in a in a little aisle in the library by herself. There's in like one a school uniform that I want applied to the word writhing. It's <laughs> awkwardly. <laughs> that really does it for Hor- really my engine. <laughs> <laughs> awkwardly, hornily. Adorkably Steadfastly. writhing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is very adorkable. Oh boy. Um this song's about John Mayer too. Yeah, that's what the genius says that this is uh, inspired by an awkward encounter with John Mayer at the CMT Music Awards, where both parties tried to ignore each other's presence. So at least they're both partying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something like there's two parties, separate parties. <laughs> Never the two parties shall meet. Uh, what was John Mayer doing at the CMT Awards? That's the Country Music Television Awards, right? Yes. What's he doing there? Uh, Besides partying. (laughs) Probably just partying. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about the song, do you? I like the line, the battle's in your hands now, but I would lay my armor down if you say you'd rather love than fight. I I like the use of the the, line, I would lay my armor down. It's a little funny immediately after writing a pretty scathing song in the same album. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. It also reminds me of Jewel and her... uh, uh, top-selling poetry collection, A Knight in Armor. <laughs> or, sorry, A Knight Without Armor. Oh. But it's Knight Without the K. Oh. Oh. All right. <laughs> Isn't that clever? I don't get it. She sold, like, 8 million copies of it. The written word. <laughs> she does, like... Move the, over, Biko. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, the best-selling poetry collection of the 20th century, I think. It's in every... Was that what made you decide to get the MFA? <laughs> yeah. That's what really got me to poetry with Jewel. <laughs> I want to do what Jewel did. <laughs> For context, Biko is... Oh, yeah. is, any, <laughs> is any of a number of poets? <laughs> yeah. It could be... Uh, Billy Collins. Billy Collins. Charles Bukowski. Charles Bukowski. There was a, at least another one, I think. Yeah. That's what we, we... We had cute pet names for various poets in our poetry class. Um, I don't know if listeners know, but Cameron was in a poetry class with me. We wrote poems at each other. Yeah. Uh, and through each other and next to each other and at each other. <laughs> That's all I said. Um, so should we go on to Better Than Revenge? 
I'm good with that, yeah. Yes. So she's gonna find stealing other people's toys on the playground will make you many friends. She should keep in mind, she should keep in mind, there is nothing I do better than revenge. So this is about one of the, them Jonases. Uh, J. Jonas. J. Jonah Jameson. And, uh, it's all about how some skank came in and stole her man <laughs> by what she does on a mattress. <laughs> That's the this is the line with the mattress, right? Yep. Yep. She's better known for the things that she does on a mattress. I think I have a sound sample oh, of that. You go and play she, it. She works at like a, a mattress firm or like a sleep warehouse. <laughs> or one of those. This episode is brought to you by Casper Mattresses, <laughs> Camilla Bell Mattresses. <laughs> Yikes. That's so awful. It's really bad. It's the worst. <laughs> it, there's something about phrasing it that way, using that like extremely prudish, like puritanical language of like not even saying not even coming out and calling her a hoe, just saying like, oh, she's better known for the things she does on the mat. Yeah, she's like an abusive mom in this yeah. or something. <laughs> it's so like it's so much worse to phrase it that way somehow. At least aesthetically speaking. Something that just occurred to me, um, we talked in the last album about how she'd written like 75 songs and then they just went through and picked the top 13. Uh, she and J. Jonah Jameson had broken up <laughs> two years ago. That's Nathan's joke. I'm just echoing it. Don't, <laughs> don't credit me. Uh, and so it's been two years. It's been two years since they broke up, which means that by the time the album came out, she had probably, it had probably been like a year and a half since she'd written the song, oh. which means... Again, to my way of thinking, I'm thinking about like Taylor putting together this album, Taylor realizing that people are really interested in her like famous public private life. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this song is on here as a moneymaker. You know, if she's just like, people um, People like hearing about my romances. People are interested in like the Jonas Brothers. People will want to hear this even though it sucks. It doesn't justify her being a slut right. shamer, but it you does. Yeah. I want to say, just shout out to Camilla Bell. For being just apparently super good at sex, She's I think known that, for it. according to Taylor Swift, I think I think that's great, <laughs> and I don't think you should be ashamed of that. Well, we don't Stand know that it's truth. She could, maybe she makes the bed really well. <laughs> And she's just known for that. Even more impressive. <laughs> We're pretty sex positive on this show. We're even more well-made bed positive. You get the bed clothes looking nice and tight. Mm. Mm. Perfect. Mwah. Bone appetit. Don't mess it up with sex. It's too good. <laughs> Those sheets are tucked in so neatly. Don't, don't, don't sully it with your procreation. Uh, who's Camilla Bell? She's that an actress. Yeah. <laughs> she's some hoe. <laughs> Sorry. She's a thought. <laughs> she's an actress who Joe Jonas met on her um on, on one of their music videos. She starred in one of the Jonas Brothers music videos. It is insane that his name is Joe Jonas. <laughs> it is. It's fucking Spider-Man ass name. <laughs> I mean, I called him J. Jonah Jameson, but it's actually like sillier. J. Jonas. Uh do you think anyone's ever called him Joe Jonasty? <laughs> oh, she's not even with uh, you don't think so, Jojo yeah. anymore. Well, she was only she was with him for like slightly more than a half year. 
slightly less, right? I think it was like three or four months. That's, uh, I mean, Wikipedia says she dated JoJo from late 2008 to mid 2009. So that could be any number of. We talked about it on the last album. I thought that it was like four months. Oh, also, she she said in an Ellen interview that he broke up with her in 20, and it was like a 27 second phone call. And I read in the genius that the intro to the song is 27 seconds before uh, she starts singing, which they're like, is maybe uh, a, or maybe it's not this song. Maybe it's another song. There's a lot of like Taylor Swift numerology. Oh, it's the last kiss song. I'm sorry. There is. I feel, I feel like there we're, we're like some of those like people who just like comb through the Bible looking for like number clues. We're going to get assassinated. Uh, well, yeah. Talking about secret, mes- secret messages in numerology on this episode. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Uh, Camilla Bell's been in such good movies like 10,000 BC and The Chum Scrubber. Yeah, she's at least white passing <laughs> and she's called. got hella dreads in 10,000 BC. <laughs> uh, I saw that movie. It's supposed to be quite bad, right? I I don't remember it being good. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, all sorts of people with dreads in that movie. Um, okay, you wanted to at least talk a little bit about Innocent, and then maybe we can close it up. Yeah, so Innocent, do you want to do the clip from it? Sure. Everybody believed in you. It's all right, just wait and see your string of lights is still bright to me. So this song is supposedly about Kanye. Well, the secret liner notes say so. Um, But the whole thing, the whole thing is like extremely uh, personal. Mm. Like she, she's, she's talking a lot about being a child and like describing a childhood that she sort of assumes this person had. Wasn't it easier in your lunchbox days? always a bigger bed to crawl into. Wasn't it beautiful when you believed in everything and everybody believed in you? I kind of like those lines, but it's really weird. The, the, the biggest question that comes up for me is like, why is Taylor Swift writing this song? And it reminds me of a time in my life yeah. linked to Christianity when I thought that being nice to people was like the highest good. I had this like really strong idea that being nice was really important, whatever niceness meant. And I think there's a lot of condescension lumped into that. And I feel that way about this song. Like, Kanye did this thing to her that she like didn't like, but her response to it was to write like an entire song making really sweeping assumptions about his experience of childhood. Very presumptuous. It's super presumptuous. Yeah, one of the lines in it, who you are is not where you've been, you're still an innocent. She pardons she pardons Kanye for interrupting her at an awards show. So yeah, I think that it's interesting because it's just like part of their whole saga, but I also think it's interesting because of her, like, why does she feel, I think she thinks she's doing a good thing, but I think it's actually, I think you're totally right. I think it's actually like very presumptuous and like super overly intimate for this person who just like made a mistake that wasn't about her at all. Right. Yeah. Like the, the whole point of what he did was that it wasn't about her. Yeah. Man, I thought this was about her. Yeah, that's what I, th- I thought. Maybe it could be too, but um, she says, it's okay, life is a tough crowd, 32 and still growing up now. And he was 32 at the time that he did that. And I think she was, what, 19 or 20 at the time he did that? Yeah. Yeah, she was that's really, really weird. It's yeah. also very infantilizing to be like, oh, it's okay, you're 32, you're still growing up, you're still innocent. It's like, 
it feels he's clearly real. not innocent he's clearly not <laughs> yeah he's done some shit he's lived through some shit he's grown yeah. ass man yeah and you're like over here being like oh it's okay you're still like a little baby to me and she's also like forgiving him for things he's not asking her to forgive him for yeah. like he didn't as far as I know ask for Tay forgiveness like he's, he doesn't care you know yeah. weird I mean it's not like he's the best guy who ever lived he's never done anything wrong but this is a very weird response to to what he did this whole album in general, there's like a pretty strong obsession with minor interactions with other people. We didn't th- mm. we didn't talk about the song Enchanted, but Enchanted is all about like how she's like so titillated because she met this guy once. <laughs> and she's just like oh, and then she almost named the album after it, you know? Oh yeah. Like she's just like so Oh yeah, that's about the amped. Owl City Boy. The Owl City no, that Owl City really? Boy. Oh man. Fireflies. Oh god, I Which hated not- that band so much from the beginning. <laughs> I don't want to like shame her for having strong emotional experiences, but the, there is a lot of like really deep emotional resonance given to very small things. I mean, I've been there. I can't even tell you how many like yeah. people I just like fell head over heels with, seen them on a bus one time for like 10 seconds. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's, that's very relatable to me. And I think to, I would say some people, maybe a lot of people. That's fair. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say it's relatable to me too. But I think with this song particularly, she's doing it about something that's like not even about her. She's doing it about someone else. She's constructing a whole world assuming what someone else feels. Sorry, I got very distracted by the baby sneeze and just had like the biggest shitty grin. He was so delighted <laughs> after sneezing. He's got like that feel drool good, buddy. and mucus and stuff all over his face. Chris, little gremlin. Chris, little gremlin. Sneezing out pine cones from earlier. <laughs> he ate an entire pine tree. <laughs> he did hi. hi. <laughs> uh. Well, should we uh, should we say goodbye for now? Yeah. But we're not sad. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to sing that song in the show. What song is that? To, to register trademark song from Cameron's past lives. Oh, I'm cutting this out. <laughs> All right, well, do the spiel. I'm getting there. I was, I just started it when you were. God damn it! All right, well, thank you for listening, everyone. Join us next week with her next album, Red, I believe, which I know nothing about. Um, Perhaps it's based on uh, Christoph Kieślowski's uh, movie Red, which is one of his tricolor tr- trilogy. Almost certainly. Um, maybe my favorite of the tricolor movies? Maybe it's based on the Helen Mirren <laughs> Bruce Willis Morgan Freeman movie. Red? Yeah. Maybe it's based on the video game Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah, it's that. <laughs> or, or the film Red Dawn. The original, not the remake. I mean, that, that's not be crass. All right. Well, until that, until that time next week, you can visit us online at boxset.website. You can email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Uh, you can go on iTunes, write us a review, jam those star buttons. That would be real nice. Uh, if you want to support us more directly, you can uh, even throw some dollar bills at our faces at our Patreon at support.boxset.website. And if you do that, you'll get access to our weekly mini show, among other uh, bonus materials. The weekly mini show just reached 100 episodes, Cameron said. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a couple uh, episodes about movies, like the ICP movies. We watch both of those, and we keep threatening to talk about Eight Mile, the Eminem movie, as well as Oliver and Company, which is the Billy Joe, the the definitive Billy Joel movie. 
<laughs> and we'll have some to choose from for Tay-Tay also. Yeah, we we keep talking about that. Eventually we'll get around to those, I, I hope, I think, probably, right? We'll do it. Yeah, someday. Um, we won't not do it. We won't not do it. <laughs> we definitely won't. You should also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool. And it really is getting up, and it really is cool. <laughs> Thanks. That's what the title means. <laughs> I really did think that's what it was. I didn't know it was the title of a tune until years later. Uh, yeah, it's my own damn fault. Um, the, the end of uh, the end of the month, last Wednesday of the month, I'm going to release a special episode with returning guests, the Vox Hunters, Ooh. barring some catastrophe. Um, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, recording, summer. recording, <laughs> catastrophe. I, I just want to call it here. We're clearing the air just in case. Uh, Unless the eastern seaboard disappears into the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. In the year of COVID and the threatening of the takeover election, it feels fair to knock on some wood, you know? It's Filipinx or Filipino or Filipina, depending on whatever is the least or most offensive to you. <laughs> uh, Depending on if you want to be offended. Yeah, the jury's out right now. Uh, we're, but it's it's uh, like uh, Philippinex Heritage Month right now. And uh, Armand Araman is Philippinex. Uh, and uh, he's doing an episode on all traditional Philippinex um, fiddle music. And we're gonna jam on those tunes asynchronously, uh, but it's—I'm really looking forward to it. I've been practicing these traditional Filipinx tunes, and uh, they're super fun. Are they very? Are they like? I imagine it's a pretty different tradition. Is it like really hard for you to try to play them or like get into that space? You know what? I would say I would assume this is because of Spanish colonialism mm. or imperialism, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I've had a, a pretty easy time trying to play other um, Spanish colonial music, um, and I would say that it's similarly adaptable to banjo, surprisingly. I see. As okay. uh, you know, um, music from New Mexico or uh, the Tejano Autumn Nation, um, but yeah, it's it's all really fun and. And uh, I think it actually sounds really nice on the banjo. And I will be making some banjo appearances on on that episode. But mostly it's all about uh, Armand and his uh, musical connection to his heritage. And yeah, it's sort of like a fun last minute episode that's happening. And something I think that, yeah, maybe a lot of people don't know about uh, Filipinx culture or, you know, music. So it should be cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Tune in. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> thanks for listening, everyone. Until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and I've got a real soggy banjo. <laughs> I've been Cameron DeWitt, and remember to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> I've been Becca DeWitt, and if I have tired lifeless eyes, it's because you burned them out. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> So this whole time, uh, Becca's been wearing a, a like a pink purple wig, and a lot of people have been looking for, on the street. They've been looking at us, 
and I've been assuming they're looking at us because we're like doing a podcast oh, right. and like have a bunch of microphones out. And in then the just, front yard. In the front yard. And it just occurred to me, maybe <laughs> they think we're like interviewing some pop star <laughs> and her baby. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they think it's Tay Tay and Baby Tay. Baby Tay. Our neighbors walked Tay-tay. by earlier and I was just like, hi guys. <laughs> and, like, and then about 10 minutes later, I was like, <laughs> there, there, we had a similar experience one time uh, I think it was customs around Niagara Fall leaving or entering I can't remember <laughs> and uh, Becca had taken this like little red net that go, you know, to keep the blueberries in the Love blueberry pint yeah. <laughs> and she had put it on her on her hair to look like I don't know <laughs> cafeteria lady like a cafeteria lady, <laughs> lady. And she just slept it on, forgot about it, and like <laughs> when the customs person like came to like you know, <laughs> and that's my drug mule hair now. <laughs> yeah, to to check out our our car, he just sort of smirked, <laughs> and I was like, you know, he's smiling, right? <laughs> it's because your cool hair. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the time that our like eighty three year old neighbor who we had never met because we were living in a sublet came over to tell us to move our car because there was going to be construction work the the next day, and I had previously in the day drawn on my face with a bunch of face crayons with Theo. I had a giant black mustache oh. and. Then and several geometric shapes in different colors and thick dark black eyebrows that I had drawn into triangles but it had been several hours earlier so <laughs> that could get zero fucks <laughs> and that's why I love and her so I just walked over the door Cameron opened the door and was like oh hi thanks so much for telling us and I walked over really enthusiastically and I was just like we've never met it's so nice to meet you that's and we never saw or heard from him again Yeah, that's why they call her the original prankster <laughs> The offspring song is about her. (laughs) Oh my.